Welcome to the Organizer Chicks podcast. I am your host, Amber Taggart, and you have joined us at a fantastic time because today, Stephanie Burns is our guest here on the podcast. And let me tell you a little bit about her. Stephanie is the founder of The Wild Agency, an amplification and visibility agency focused on building the legacy of personal brands and company founders with a background in brand building, media buying, strategy, and entrepreneurship. Stephanie has wide experience with an eclectic portfolio of industries. After being a contestant on the Wheel of Fortune, Burns used her winnings to launch her previous company, Chic CEO, an online resource for over 100,000 female entrepreneurs. With an MBA in marketing, she's also a contributor to Forbes Women and Entrepreneur, as well as featured in notable press outlets like Inc., Fast Company, Wall Street Journal, Fox Business, Amex Open, Cosmo, New York Times, among others. Welcome to the podcast, Stephanie Burns. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Glad to have you here today. Now, I first heard Stephanie speak, it's been several years ago, probably six years. Is that a good estimate? Maybe six years ago. Probably four-ish. I think I was- okay. I think I was very pregnant with my three-year-old son. That's very possible. (laughs) Time means little to nothing to me these days. (laughs) All the hard year. (laughs) Yes, they they have all just merged together. I heard you speak several years ago at a women in networking event, and the message that you shared stuck with me all this time. And I just, you know, here at the Organizer Chicks podcast, we're just really all about helping people live their best lives. And, you know, that includes many, many, many things. And it also includes getting what we want and kind of purposefully creating a life that we want to be living inside. And so I think that's why you're such a great guest for us here today. And I'd love for you to just kick it off and tell us what you want to talk with us about. Sure. Well, to talk briefly about what I, my speech was that we were talking about was this notion of um, unreasonable requests. And it's something that I practice on a daily basis. And it's essentially asking for wild, crazy stuff, to put it mildly, and getting a yes. <laughs> Over a decade ago, when I started my company, Chic CEO, we had no money. We had no budget, my partner and I in an effort to get some of the things that we needed in order to get our business off the ground and get some momentum and in tandem to kind of entertain ourselves a little bit, we would start asking for just crazy things sometimes just for the fun of it, you know, things that we would need. And more often than not, we were getting yeses. And this was a very interesting concept for us because we were not expecting yeses, obviously. And so once we started putting in practice, internally in our culture with us and our team, this notion of just asking for the wild and crazy things that we needed and usually getting a guess, it was, it kind of became the fabric of our culture and became kind of this passion of mine. Interesting. It seems like it might be safe to say that your natural personality type might be a little more prone to asking the wild and crazy question. Is that a fair assumption? Sure. Yeah. (laughs) You might've always been someone who was just maybe a little more outgoing, maybe had a little more natural confidence than, than somebody else. What would you say to somebody who maybe had more of a meek personality and was maybe a little bit afraid of that rejection that is possible anytime we ask for something and we put ourselves out there like that? Sure. So 
just to back up and to give you a little foundation of, of my notion of what unreasonable requests are, is that it's not necessarily just asking for something without giving. So it's very reciprocal. And so that usually for anybody who's feeling a little more shy is a comforting thought. It's not like you're just walking up to somebody and saying, hey, give me that thing that I want and let's call it a day. It's really about what can I give a value in order to receive something that I want a value. So to start there, to know that it is a very reciprocal ask, it's not just, you know, give me something for free. But then you have to remember that what is unreasonable to you might not be unreasonable to me. So for somebody who's not as naturally outgoing or, um, you know, might be a little more reserved, your unreasonable will be different than mine. And that's okay. But to be able to stretch yourself a little bit and just to ask for anything, whether it's even by, you know, asking for the table by the window in a restaurant sometimes feels out of, you know, very unreasonable to somebody who's a little more reserved. Um, for me, that's, that's not a, it's <laughs> absolutely a request I would make, <laughs> whatever, but for some people that's not, but when we want to think about unreasonable requests, it's really about what's personally reasonable for you. And can you, can you level up just by one degree and, and make that ask or even visualize making that ask in your head, you know, that'll stretch you too. There mm-hmm. you go. I'd like to dive into the word unreasonable and talk a little bit more about what that does mean and what it doesn't mean. And the goal here I know is never, like you said, it's not that we're taking advantage of somebody. It's not that we're asking for flippant things, although maybe it is, maybe, like you said, maybe it's okay to just say like, Hey, can I have an extra sucker at the bank teller window? You know, maybe that's okay too, but dive into a little bit more about unreasonable, if you would. Well, you know, I think we go through lives, our life thinking that there is a no in front of us when actually that's not the case. And, you know, eight times out of 10 for my, my previous business partner, Jody and I, when we asked, we were getting yeses. And so what that did was kind of open up my vision to thinking, okay, there's a lot more yeses out there than there aren't. I haven't been asking for them. Exactly. Yeah. And so it might feel unreasonable, but it's actually not. And there's probably a lot of people out there that are wanting you to come up to them with a creative ask, some sort of value driven, you know, partnership that you can come up with. There's lots of different people out there who are looking for ways to add to their life or to their business or to their world, and maybe you can provide it. So that's the first thing that that unreasonable requests really did for me was really open up my eyes to thinking that there are there's more yeses out there for us than there are nos. I just have to be willing to ask for them. It's kind of funny. I've had a couple people try to rip off this idea, which is kind of crazy because I speak about this idea. I've written about this idea and I've had a couple people try and try and mimic it and make it their own. And what they do wrong and what a lot of people I think intuitively think is that the first thing you should do when you're thinking about unreasonable requests is to look out and see, okay, what do I need? And what do somebody else or somebody else's company or, or anything, what do they have that I need, which is the absolute wrong way to look at it. The first thing you should do is look at what do I have that I can give, you know, take val- take an inventory of your value, of your assets, of your skill sets, because once you start to understand that what you have in your bucket is 
valuable to somebody else is when these opportunities will start to become seen by you. You'll start, they'll start to pop up. Okay. This person has this thing that I would love, but I also see that I can provide value in this way. And that probably wouldn't have popped up if you didn't know that, okay, I can, I can, you know, make a website really quickly, but I also need accounting help. I wonder if this person accountants whose website is awful would want to trade services. Right. Before that, if I were just sitting here thinking, I just need accounting services, I'm going to ask this person for free accounting services, you would probably will get a no. But if you can come to them with something of value and you can't come to them with something of value if you don't take your inventory first, that might be a really great partnership for you. So it's about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I, I'm coming back to you know one of my earlier questions about what if you're a person who maybe naturally doesn't have that innate confidence to walk through life with, I almost feel like what you're explaining in this process that you're asking people to go through, it forces you into a more confident position because you have asked yourself, okay, what do I have to bring to the table? Where is my area of expertise? And and when you recognize and when you'll be honest with yourself, which is sometimes hard for people, sometimes it's hard to kind of toot our own horns and say, heck yeah, I'm I'm actually awesome at this and I have value and I have a skill set that is it's worthy. It's worth something that I could, you know, use and as this negotiating tool for this unreasonable request. And when, when you see that what you have might be unreasonable for somebody else to ask you for, then I think you've accidentally almost put yourself in this more confident position, which makes it much easier to make that big ask. Yeah. And you know, confidence is a muscle, right? We have to flex it. It's just not, there all the time. For some people, I suppose it is, but you know, it's not for me. It's definitely (laughs) something that I've had to exercise for sure. And I tell you one thing that really did help my confidence in asking as well is I used to sit on the board of a nonprofit in San Diego that I, I loved very dearly. And I found myself being much more confident in asking things for them. Mm. And so when you kind of do this kind of a, a sideways ask, right? For somebody else that you care about or an organization that you care about or a cause that you care about. Don't forget that that, that can build your confidence too. If you get a yes, bring the value for sure. Bring the value of maybe something that you can do or something that helps the organization or whatnot. But when, when you get that, yes, put that in your confidence bucket, you know, flex on that and feel, feel your, your confidence muscle getting a little stronger because that that's an ask as well even if it's not for you, ask for somebody else. And that may be a great stepping stone to somebody who recognizes I need to grow this confidence muscle. I need to get more comfortable with doing this uncomfortable asking. Great. Find a place to volunteer at go. I promise you get a hold of your local PTA president and ask if there is a need at the elementary school. And she will very happily put you on some kind of assignment, right? There, there's a plethora of opportunities to do this. So that's potentially a really good jumping off point. Yes, indeed. The other thing that I always tell people when they're thinking about unreasonable requests and asking for things that you're uncomfortable asking for is that the answer is just data. It's not you. It's not your person. It's not your character. It's not you. The answer is literally data. A yes is data. A no is data. A maybe is data. If you get a no, it's probably because you weren't able to bring enough value to the ask in the first place. And maybe you just needed to bring more the next time. 
you know, when Jody and I were starting Chic CEO and we, our biggest mission was to grow our email subscriber list. So we would do newsletter swaps with all sorts of people with the same audiences. And that's, you know, this was an unreasonable request, literally asking somebody to mail their list that they've worked so hard to get on behalf of us, but we would always come with value. Hey, we'll do the same for you, even though our list is smaller, but we'll do it twice. We'll put your ad on our site. We will talk about you here, here, here. So we would come with way more value than, you know, appropriate probably, but that's fine. They said yes, because they couldn't say no. And then we didn't have to pay for it because we didn't have any money. So it was a great, it was valuable for them. It was valuable for us. But otherwise, if we had come to them and just said, hey, will you send out a newsletter to your audience about us? The answer is probably no. And it is a bit of an unreasonable ask, right? So it's about coming with value. And if we didn't come with enough value and they said no, well, that was just data. Don't take it personally. Can't take it personally. So I really, I think it's it's very not only fun, but also insightful to hear this, this real life story that you just shared with us about you know, I wanted to use their, you know, email list. Can you give us another real world example of how you've applied this? I can give you a ton. (laughs) I'll give you our very first one. The one that really kind of knocked our socks off that made this, this notion and that why we pulled it into the fabric of our company at the time. When we first started the company and we were just starting to grow, Jody and I were going to three or four, sometimes five networking events a week. And we were burnt out. And this went on for a very long time. We had this huge vase, this huge glass vase in our office that was full of business cards, probably about 3,000 business cards. It was crazy. But that's how we got the word out for Chic CEO. That's how we met people. We were exhausted. So one day we were sitting there thinking to ourselves, how can we get the word out about what we're doing, still meet people? be out in the community, but just not like this. And we decided we would start our own networking company. People could come to us. We could charge for it. And then we set ourselves up, you know, with the credibility in the community, um, provided a place for women to connect and network. And so we thought, okay, this is what we're going to do. And it was great. So we, our very first event, you know, obviously had to be chic. So we were trying to find a place to hold it. And Jody called the W Hotel and said, Hey, we want to bring a hundred women to your venue on a Wednesday night. We need you to give them a drink and some appetizers. And they were like, well, our food and beverage minimum is, you know, da da da. And she's like, yeah, we don't, we don't have that, but we are going to bring all of these women to your establishment on a night where it would be normally slow. They were like, okay, great. And we were like, what, wait, what? And that was when it clicked for us. And her husband at the time, I was her fiance at the time, his entire business was networking events and he had been paying food and beverage minimums the whole time. And so when she told him that his mind was blown, he's like, you did what? And she's like, but that's how you, that's how you do it. Isn't it? He's like, no, that's not how I do it. She's like, it's not. She's like, that's how we're doing it from here on out. And that's what we did. We held these events for like three years. We did them in San Diego, LA, Portland, and New York. And that was when it really clicked for us. When we launched our events in New York, we had an ambassador out there. We taught her how to, how to get a venue. She found a venue, a rooftop hotel that in Times Square, whose grand opening was the next day. They held our event. 
paid for the drinks and the food, 100% profit for our company. And it was a great way for them to get exposure for their grand opening. We had this fabulous view and it was just an amazing event. I mean, normally you would think there's no way if I wanted to hold an event in New York City that I could do it in Times Square on a rooftop hotel for free and, you know, have them pay for the drinks and have a party. It was incredible. And so these were the kind of big things that we were like, oh my gosh, if we just ask and provide enough value for them, figure out what they need. They wanted exposure. They want people to know that they're there. Most of the time, the people that we would bring would buy another drink. Some would stay for dinner, you know? So it was really great for them. We would advertise when we send out our email newsletters, it was on our website. So we got them a lot of exposure that was valuable to them. They would pay for that anyway. So those were the kinds of things that we were, we were doing. There's a, a million others. We started interview series. This was before podcasting was really big. Um, my first interview was with Barbara Corcoran. Wow. I reached out to her and asked her if she would be on. She was promoting some event. I can't remember what the event was because this was so long ago, but um, said we, you know, you can plug your event on this interview series. And I got to talk to Barbara Corcoran of all people, the very first one I've ever done. I get to talk to Barbara Corcoran, like my, my entrepreneurial idol. I got to go to Bali for two and a half months to learn how to code on my honeymoon in exchange for writing about it on my website and telling my network. And there's lots of little things too, but I mean, all these amazing experiences simply because I asked and I gave, and that's the key. You have to give. And so you can have some incredible experiences if you're just willing to think up, okay, what can I give? What can I ask for? How can I package this up? And how can I make it irresistible? It's so much fun. It's so much fun. Yeah. I love it. I think this is a real paradigm shift too, you know, and I think the interesting thing about this is this can be scaled to whatever degree is, is needed, you know, and is realistic for your life. So maybe you, you don't need a, you know, New York city rooftop. I mean, we all kind of need a New York city rooftop experience. Don't get me wrong, but maybe that's not your immediate need. Maybe you need a place to hold a kid's birthday party, or maybe you need some screen printing done on some t-shirts for your, you know, kickball team. Who knows? These principles are scalable to whatever and whoever, and coming with that idea of providing value and that giver's gain, mindset and then yeah being willing to flex the muscle that your confidence is that muscle confidence. yeah oh yeah it's a it's something that I'm, I'm very passionate about and I really love because it's just been so much fun and it's it really propelled our company forward and some of the experiences that I've gotten and you know even just talking about it with people like you said like from years back when you heard my speech just talking about the notion of unreasonable requests and asking for things that we wouldn't, that we'd automatically think that we would get a no. It's just kind of like giving permission to yourselves, just the mere chat about it, just us chatting about it right now. You'll be thinking about this. I think about this. You think about, you know, just this, this thought um, is almost like opening a door that can't be shut. Absolutely. Very interesting. I wonder if you would mind sharing with us maybe what a script almost looks like. Do you lead with the request when you, when you make these big asks, do you lead with the value that you provide? Is that the way that always goes first? Yeah. Yeah. I lead with the value. Um, one of the things that I always do as well is when it's a really, really big ask, I will kind of seed the ask first, um, kind of plant the seed of the idea first. So my trip to Bali, 
my fiance at the time, my husband now, he asked me, he's like, if you could go back and redo anything, like what would you want to learn or do? And I said, I'd love to learn how to code. And so we were looking up like those coding boot camps, and he found one in Bali. So we contacted the the head of, of the program and we were talking to him. And he's like, Oh yeah, it's great, it's beautiful over here. And da, da, da. And I said, Okay, well, this is awesome. You know, how many women do you have in the program? That was a seed. And he's like, Oh, not enough. We don't have enough women in the program. I would love to get more women in the program. We're like, oh, that's that, yeah, of course. You know, I have a network of 120,000 women. Um, you know, that I, I talk to every day, you know, and not everybody has that, of course, but that that's one of the big things that I can provide. As we get to talking and talking more, you know, he was actually the one that asked me um, because I seeded it. But sometimes the best way that I've found that to get to a yes is just simply to state your intention right up front. Like, hey, look, my intention is for us to partner up on this. Here's my thoughts. I have 120,000 women on my email list. Um, you have a coding boot camp that you don't have enough women in. What if we partnered up? I come to your boot camp. I write about it weekly on my blog, you know, interview you on my podcast. I'll take the pictures, blah, 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 whatever. And then I come through your experience. What do you think about that? It's literally that easy. It's a yes or it's a no. And if it's either one, it's just data. They don't, it's not you. It's just the deal. That's it. Well, and it sounds like in the deal that you worked out, if he had had to pay out of pocket for all the advertising to reach a, you know, this number of women who clearly are interested in growing their own, you know, entrepreneurial skill set or whatever, how much would that have cost him? Way more than the price of his boot camp, I'm guessing. So that's awesome. And like, I love what you said, you want to build a package that they just doesn't even make sense for them to say no to. And you have to ask yourself, like, what is in my backpack? Like, what things can I do? Can I be, can I orchestrate? Do I have access to that I can really show that value in? Very interesting. Yeah. And you know, this doesn't have to be just for your business. These are just how I use it. It can definitely be in your life. I mean, there's so many times where... (laughs) I've used it on my husband. (laughs) (laughs) If you build me a deck, then I will do the deck, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's just a way to, to really realize that there's a lot more yeses out there than there aren't. And that's really the crux of the whole thing is that there's so many cool experiences and things out there for you. If you're willing to ask, otherwise it's a 100% no. Every time, if you've already resigned yourself to no, 100% no. Otherwise it's a 50, 50. If you ask, maybe even better if you come with a great ask, right? Yeah. Yeah. Your odds are better if you ask. Wow. Thanks for being here and sharing all of this. I think that is a true paradigm shift. If we can walk through life with our eyes open to the potential of yeses that are out there. And, you know, like you say, we're not taking advantage of anybody. We're finding something that can be mutually, you know, beneficial. Yes is for everybody, right? You get a yes, you get a yes, you get a yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love it. Now, okay, I have to ask real quick because I happen to have the same birthday as Mr. Pat Sajak. Tell us about the Wheel of Fortune. Tell us about that opportunity. Oh my gosh, it's it's a funny story. So long, long, long time ago, I was working for a company called Bulldog Drummond, which is in a, an innovation consultancy in San Diego. And my coworker, Margaret, she was like, you know what? You should try out for the Wheel of Fortune. You would be so great on that show. And I was like, that's silly. 
then I get on my computer immediately and <laughs> try to find out how <laughs> she brought it up. And it was crazy years after that, absolute years. All of a sudden you get this random email that's asking me to come audition. I thought it was spam at first. Right. Um, I almost deleted it. I don't know why I read it, but I almost deleted it. And they were asking me to come audition for family week, which means you could bring a family member. So I send it to my brother, John. John thinks it's spam. He deletes it. And I call him. I'm like, did you see my email? He's like, no. (laughs) Okay. John, we are going to go audition for the Wheel of Fortune. You got to take off work for this day, this day. My brother is super charismatic. If anybody like has the gumption for unreasonable requests, it's this guy. Like he, he is the epitome of asking for the most wild and crazy things. He has no shame, like none. And he is super charismatic and I knew they would love him. So we go and audition for Wheel of Fortune and I knew that they would love him. And we got on, they, they said, yes. And basically you just want to know if you can shout out a letter legibly, you sound okay. You're not, you know, you, you, you can dress. Okay. You know, those kinds. Yeah. So we got on the show um, and we were, it was like the fastest 20 minutes of my life, but we get up there and we bomb every single round, like every single round. And it's, it's a mother and a daughter and a father and a daughter. And then me and my brother, and Pat Sajak just loved John, loved John, of course, loved him. as you knew he so would. Yeah, <laughs> I knew he would. I absolutely knew he would. So we get through the whole round. We bomb everything. We bankrupt a million times and it gets to the very last round where they add a thousand dollars to whatever Pat, you know, spins on the wheel, spins it to five thousand dollars. So every letter is now $6,000. So it gets to us and we call out something and we get it. And then we call out something else and we get it, the, the letter. And I can't remember what happened, but we didn't, we didn't get solved the puzzle. And then it goes to the next people and it looks like carnation flowers. So the people next to us said carnation flowers and Pat's like, nope. And it gets to us. And all of a sudden my brother yells out Dalmatian puppies. And Pat goes, yeah, and boom, we run 12,000 bucks <laughs> after having zero on the board the entire game, $12,000. And so right then and there, I was like, what? I took my $6,000 and that's how I started Chic CEO. That's how I got the website built. Wow. It was divine timing. Yeah, it was amazing. And I knew right before we went, I was like, if I win money, I'm going to use it to build this crazy idea I have. And I, I could see my face right then when we went and I was like, it's happening. Like I cheek CEO was like right in my head. I was like, this is happening. Yeah. It was incredible. It was an incredible experience. And that, you know, that right there is like, I talk about it this all the time when people want to fund their businesses. I'm like, I funded mine through a game show. So get scrappy people. (laughs) And everyone goes right now to the website, wheeloffortune.com, right? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yep. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing. What a fun story and what a cool mindset to walk through life with that there are yeses just waiting for us to make that ask and for us to provide that value that 
that basically make somebody see that they need to say yes to our unreasonable request. And Amber, if you make any unreasonable requests from here on out, please let me know. I will. Hear, or anybody in your audience, come to my website, stephanie-burns.com. Send me a note. Tell me. I want to hear about it. I absolutely want to hear about it. Love mm-hmm. it. Tell us that website one more time. stephanie-burns.com. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks for being here today. That wraps up this episode of the Organizer Chicks podcast. I'd like to give a big thanks to our producer, Connor Reed, as well as to Sweet 25, whose song, Thinking About You, you're listening to right now. Find this and more awesome songs by them on Spotify. Please be sure to subscribe and, where possible, to review our podcast, which enables others to find it more easily. Thanks for spending your time here with us today, and be sure to join us next time as we work to turn your before into an after.